So today I want to talk a little bit about why church, why church and what separates church makes us so different and so special from every other religion. Okay. Uh, and, and I'd like to start off by first just settling something that church isn't about religion. Okay. So let's just get that out of your mind right now. Jesus came against religion. Okay. So, uh, don't, don't clump us in with other religions because we're not a religion. Okay, you can put all the religions in one pot, but we're not in that pot. But the world likes to do that. We're not in the pot. We're not in that pot of religion. This is a way of life. Okay, listen, every weekend in this country, 120 million people come together during a weekend and gather in church services. 120 million people. That's about 35 percent of uh, the people in the United States come together over a weekend. Now, if I can just put that in perspective for you, uh, that is more than all of the people that go to all of the sporting events in this country in a year. Okay, 120 million people come together for some reason. For some reason, they come together. You know, church, there's, there's something that happens when we come together uh, as a people, all right, and come together to celebrate God. And I want to talk about, I am a person who, if you know me uh, at all, you would know that I love church. I mean, with all of its fallacies, with all of its faults. And I want to tell you this morning that I'll be the first person to tell you that Jesus is perfect, uh, but his people in church are not church is made up of an imperfect people. So we have faults and we make mistakes. And yes, you people will say, well, there's hypocrites in church. You're absolutely right. I agree with you. There's hypocrites in church. And I, I, I would tell you, I'm not talking to you directly. Maybe you don't, please don't get offended, but I guarantee you look in the mirror. You might find a hypocrite while you're talking about church. That's right. I'm going to defend church. I'm going to defend it. Absolutely. There's hypocrites at the grocery store. There's hypocrites on the golf course. There's hypocrites at your job. There's hypocrites in your family. There's hypocrites in your household. So while you're talking about there's hypocrites in church, there's hypocrites everywhere because we're people. Okay? No reason. So you can throw that excuse away. Well, uh, you know, at the church, they say one thing and do another. Uh, mirror. Can I hold up a mirror? Come on. We've all done that. We've all done it. It's, we're not perfect. The church is not perfect. Okay? I realize that. But we're going to explore this question uh, for a few moments today. Why church? Listen, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul describes the church and people dedicated uh, in it to doing whatever it takes to reach out and help others. You know, the church is a body of believers that live out the gospel in words and actions. And the church is best when it's outside of these four walls. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about what the church is. And it may when we as we look at it, it may not be what you're used to seeing the church as. OK, church people. All right. Uh, there's something that happens when we get together and come together as a body to worship and have church. Now, I would also agree with many of you to say that the church is not a building. You know, this church here is called the Life Church, but the church is not a building. The church is a people. And I realize that you can you can be you, your church anywhere that you go. As long as you have Jesus in you, uh, you are church. But I'm talking about this worship experience. Why does God want us to come together? I would say that there are some traditions in church that we need to leave alone. You know, there, there are some things in church. 
You talk to young people, they'll be the first person to tell you, yeah, there's some traditions in church that just kind of don't make sense and y'all need to stop doing that, okay? But there's some traditions in church that are good. Uh, There's some traditions in church that I love. Uh, You know, Jesus started a tradition uh, of communion, all right? We're going to have communion right after the message today. He started, he started uh, that tradition, and that's a tradition that we should continue to do, isn't it? Tradition of, of coming together, singing and worshiping together. Uh, that's a good tradition. You know, there are some things that aren't even spiritual. You know, it, it's kind of like, you know, when you, when, you, when, you, when you girls get together and you say, let's go out tonight. You know, let's go out. Let's go out to dinner. Let's go out and have some fun. Uh, what do you do? You go in and get yourself together. You know, you put your makeup on and you put your clothes on. People do that for church. Go to church with me on Sunday. Well, okay, I got to, do I have anything to wear? And it doesn't have to be a suit. We know that. It doesn't have to be anything particular. But no matter where, even if it's jeans and a shirt and some shoes, you know you're going to be looking good when you go to church just because your mindset is that way. It has nothing to do with your spirituality, how close you are to Jesus or satisfying God. It's just one of those things. There's, there's something different about coming together and exploring this worship experience. We know it. There's something in Inherent is what I'm trying to get at. There's something inherent in us, whether you're a believer or not. When you say, let's go to church, there's something in you that, there's, that you know that sparks something. Turn over in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to read a passage here. Now, this is the first uh, mention here of church in the New Testament. But I really believe that the concept of church started way back in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 28. We're not going to go there. We won't read it. But some of you may know uh, when Jacob, uh, well, we even if you're not in church, you would, you would know the phrase Jacob's ladder. You may not know what it meant, okay? But it's a vision that Jacob had. And I believe when Jacob... Jacob was there and he said, surely the Lord was in this place and I did not know it. Uh, That was a concept of church. That was a concept of church. Uh, You know, honestly, I have a kind of a problem with that phrase grammatically. Surely surely, uh, the Lord was in this place and I did not know it. (laughs) Surely the Lord is in this place, he says, and I did not know it. So he's in the present tense and the past tense. A lot of times you'll see God do that. And you want to know why? Because he lives in eternity. I remember one time he was talking to the Pharisees and they were talking to him about about Moses. And he said, listen, let me tell you something. Before Moses was, I am. You know, Jesus will jump like that because God lives in eternity. But this is the first mention of church. It's a long passage here beginning at verse 13. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. The Bible says when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea, uh, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, some uh, uh, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Well, Simon Peter and many of us who have been around church a long time would joke with Simon Peter. We would say that that he must have had some peppermint socks because he always had his foot in his mouth, it seems like. But on this particular occasion, come on, he had the absolute right answer. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. In other words, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, bar Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven and I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven 
And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Now, America has embassies all over the world. We know that. America has embassies on, on foreign soil. And if you happen to be in that country, for example, uh, you know, I go to the Philippines, um, you know, every couple of years. And I know that when I'm in the Philippines, I'm in a foreign country. But I know that if I ever got into trouble or if I ever, you know, uh, really needed to get home quickly um, that and I didn't wasn't able to get on a plane and get back home, that I could run to Manila and get into the American embassy and it's home. It's, it's, and, it's, and I'll say this to you, it's not like being home, it is home. Because in that embassy is American soil, or whatever country uh, has an embassy in whatever country it's in. The embassy represents the values, the morals, and the ways of the country that it's from, not the country that it's in. God in history has an embassy. It's called the church. We are his embassies. We are his ambassadors. Many of you would know that. And we are to represent the morals and the values of the country we're from, not the country that we're in. And, you know, I think that what happens with us here, especially here in the West, but what happens with us as Christians, especially in this society, is uh, we develop this sort of worldview. Christians have and should have a biblical worldview. We should have a biblical worldview. And it's based on how you see answers to some of life's very important questions. That helps shape your worldview. So I would say as a Christian, is your worldview a political worldview? Is your worldview, uh, you know, an American worldview? Is your worldview a uh, societal worldview, injustice worldview? Is it, you know, is it a football worldview? That's what I, you know, fight against. I see everything through the eyes of football, but that's just me because I love football. But, you know, what is your worldview? And you have to answer some questions. Now, I'll say to all of us church people, I'm talking to us, but I'm also talking to maybe unchurched people, those that may have come back to church, those uh, that may not uh, be as traditional as some of you and, and I are, okay? So keep that in mind. You have to answer some of these questions like who or what is God? People have, have this question, who or what is God? Or who am I and, and, and how do I fit into the world? These are questions of purpose, all right? How can I tell right from wrong? How do I know? Because you say what's right or because how do I know that you say that the Bible uh, says what is right and wrong? And, and how do I know that? See, these are good questions. Don't be afraid of these questions because I'll tell you this, God is not. God is not afraid of any. In fact, he welcomes, please ask your questions because I have answers, God is saying. And so do you. You have the answer. When it's all over, where do I go? What, what happens? Do I cease to be? Do, is there a good place and a bad place? All right. What is there? What, what, what do I do? All right. How can I know the truth? And what does my life mean? Purpose. Why am I here? People have these questions, folks. People have these questions. And I'm here to tell you today that unlike other religions who would maybe set you on a path to try to find your answers, I'm here to tell you that we are the place that has the answers. Yeah. 
I mean, really, you know, if you boil it, uh, boil it all down, you know, if you go to another religion and they set you on the path, you should end up here because we have the answer. <laughs> We're the answer. We're not a religion. We're not in that same bucket. We're the end. We're the, we're the gold at the end of the rainbow. Come on, church. I'm talking about you have the Lord Jesus Christ, the ruler of the universe, the one who spoke and everything came into existence. Come on. The lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. The almighty God lives in you. We are the end. We're the pot of gold, people. You got to change what you're thinking about. This is why, now by the way, this is why we don't have to conform to the culture. We, we are in an embassy that should represent the morals and values of the country that we're from to reform the culture. We don't have to form to it. Paul told us that very clearly. Do not conform to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Come on. The church has a biblical worldview. Let me tell you what, what, what we're up against, church. Let me tell you what, what people are, are coming and how they're thinking and why sometimes you get into arguments and you get frustrated with people. Let me tell you what their mindset is. There are many different worldviews, like naturalism. It, naturalism is simple. It just says that God doesn't exist and what we see here is all there is. There's physical matter. You're fighting against that people. That's some people's religion. You're fighting against a pantheistic monism. And it says that all is one. One is all. Everything is God. Universal Unitarianism. Okay? This is what you're dealing with. Polytheism, you know that. The idea that there are many gods and goddesses. All right? There are many religions that believe these things. And then today, the biggest thing to me that we are up against, that the enemy is really infecting the world with, is relativism. Those who are reluctant to come to any worldview, they would say, that I don't believe any system contains all of the truth. And all, the only thing that matters is what works for you and what works for me. That's what matters. It's called relativism, okay? Now, one of the tenets and, and, and values of the church that Jesus well represented when he walked on earth was this. Listen to me closely, please. Love and acceptance, standards and discipline. One sentence, not separate things. All go together in one soup. Love and acceptance, standards and discipline. Now, the world would say that you either have to have love and acceptance, tolerance, or you would have to have standards and discipline, inexorable, old-fashioned thinking. Okay? You have to have one or the other. Either you're tolerant or you're not. Uh, you know, either you, you have standards and you're just stuffy and inexorable. That means you don't change. Okay? Or you're not. But reading the life of Jesus, and I wish, I, I wish more people would read the Bible and actually read the life of Jesus, especially people who quote scripture. But reading the life of Jesus, you would see that he expressed love and acceptance with standards and discipline without the labels. And he did exquisitely and perfectly just that. He, he was perfect in that. And he said, you'll do greater works than me. That means that we can do that same thing. It is possible to have love and acceptance with standards and discipline all in the same thing instead of fighting each other. 
But what we've done is we've, we've mankind, the devil, really, I won't even blame it on us. Uh, we just bought it. We just, what do you call it? Drank the Kool-Aid. Okay, the devil's Kool-Aid. He made a line. You're over here, your love and acceptance. You're over here, your standards and discipline. You're, you're two different people. And people begin to take sides, not realizing that Jesus is saying, no, listen, I, I am love and acceptance and standards and discipline. That's who I am. You can have all of those things, all of those things. And we ha until we realize that, we'll stay separated and stay divided. So why consider church? Why consider church? Why, why, why? Well, the first thing to me is the fact that you receive to belong. Okay. Romans 6, 3, for the wages of sin is death. But watch this now. The free, and the Amplified puts it this way. The free gift of God that is his remarkable, overwhelming gift of grace to believers is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. With religion, you follow tenets uh, in order to become a member of an association. With Christianity, you accept a gift by faith in order to be born into a family. Do you see the difference? With religion, you follow tenets to be on a roll and to be part of an organization or association. But with Christianity, you accept his grace. You acknowledge Jesus as Messiah and you're born into a family. Amen. Church is a community and a family, not an organization. What God wanted more than anything is relationship. Relationship with a people who shared his DNA. All right, this is not an organization. This is why out of all of the things that you will accomplish, all the things that you'll obtain and overcome in life, none is more important than the relationships that you build. Nothing. Your 401k or retirement, all of the money that you obtain, the, the, the wealth, fame, whatever it is that you might attain in life, none of that is more important than the relationships that you build with each other. Listen, this is a long passage here, but listen to Romans 12, starting at verse 9. It says, love is to be sincere. In fact, let me read it out of the Amplified. Love is to be sincere and active, the real thing without guile and hypocrisy. Hate what is evil. This is Paul talking to you and I. Detest all ungodliness standards. Do not tolerate wickedness standards. Hold on tightly to what is good. Be devoted to one another with authentic brotherly affection as members of one family, love and forgiveness. Give preference to one another in honor, never lagging behind in diligence, aglow in the spirit, enthusiastically serving the Lord, constantly rejoicing in hope because our confidence is in Christ. Steadfast and patient in distress, devoted to prayer, continually seeking wisdom, guidance, and strength, con contributing to the needs of God's people, pursuing the practice of hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, cause you harm or hardship. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, sharing others' joy, and weep with those who weep, sharing others' grief. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, that means conceited, self-important, exclusive, but associate with 
humble people, those with realistic self-view. Do not overestimate yourself. Never repay anyone evil for evil. Take no thought for what is right and gracious and proper in the sight of everyone. If possible, as far as it depends on you, watch this now, live at peace with everyone. 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 Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave the way open for God's wrath and his judicial righteousness. For it is written in scripture, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome and conquered by evil, but overcome evil with good. Doesn't sound like an organization to me. That sounds a little bit more like a family. That sounds like you, you have, you're consumed. You're part of this thing now. Come on, we're, we're part of the, that's why, that's why the Holy Spirit through Paul gives us that analogy that we're all part of one body. And if one part hurts, the other part hurts. If one part rejoices, the other part rejoices. It's all one body. And in church, the real church, if we're the real church, then you're, 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 you're not judged or promoted or treated differently because of your performance. Why? Because God is no respecter of persons. Romans 2.11 says, For God shows no partiality, no arbitrary favoritism. With him, one person is not more important than the other. We're all the same. We're all the same. By the way, the church is called the bride of Christ. We're all the bride of Christ. Come on. And I can tell you that people's point of view, people's point of view of the church, uh, though jaded, is something that we have to consider as the church. Now, I know we can't change people's minds. We can't change people's minds. But unless we start praying first about politics and critical race theory and masks and COVID and all, name all the stuff that you want to name that we're all fighting about. Unless we start praying first about that, we're never going to be an influence. We're just going to be caught up in it. And see, we should be an influence. We've talked about we have to influence it because we have the answer, right? We're the ambassadors in the embassy that has the answer for this culture. But very often we get caught up in the culture. And the problem with the churches is that we allow the culture to influence us and, and we bring that back to our embassy. And that's the way we, we operate instead of getting our morals and values from the word and from the head and bringing that to the culture. And you see people, though this, I don't believe this to be true of us, but I'm just telling you the way the world looks at us. People begin to think, well, the church, those folks at the church, they're no different than corrupt politicians, bad parents, and, you know, bad uh, educators. That's, that's the way they look at you. Though we know that's not true. I'm not telling you that it's true. I'm just telling you that their perception of us is that. And until we pray and humble ourselves, and seek his face. By the way, first, not after we've had an argument, then let's get together and pray. Let us get together and pray first. What do you want, Lord? How would you have me handle this situation? How would you have me say this so that your morals and your values get across? We must go to him first. Because we're the answer. 
You see, the church, we're failing the world because we have the answer. And we're not giving it to them. We're not giving it to them the way that they will receive it. You see, here's the thing. If we don't validate that there is a concern, just like all these questions that I was talking about, some of you in here, uh, like me, you know, you may listen to some of those questions. Who is God? And what am I here for? And we would just say, oh, why are you asking those questions? Isn't it obvious? We can't push people away like that. Those are valid questions. Jesus never did that. He welcomed the questions and answered them. We can't put, if we don't validate the world's concerns, not, not, not agree with their concerns, not tell them that they're right and not give in. I'm not saying any of that, but I'm just saying validate that the world is lost and needs a savior and we're not it. Jesus is it. We just have the answer to give to them. That's what we need to do. And we're not, we're failing in that respect. And the reason is because we have the answer. See, the third thing is, this is, what, this, this is what Jesus said. He said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. You and I have the keys. We have the keys. We can let people in. We have the keys. I, I don't know if you've ever been like me, but you ever, you ever got up and, and went to go somewhere and you couldn't find your keys? You didn't know, you didn't know where your keys were? First of all, you ain't going nowhere. And, and then if you're like me, you got keys, you got keys on your key ring. You don't even know what they go to. I, I got a couple keys. I don't even know what this key is to. I, I know. I think this, these two look the same. And I think one of them is to the church. I don't know what the other one is to. <laughs> but see, w w without the keys, you, you're not going anywhere. I remember this preacher uh, gave a, a message one time, and he was talking about this. He said he was in New York City in a hotel, all right, in the Marriott Hotel, say it was. And then he had to, when he was done there with the conference or whatever it was, he had to go to Chicago to another conference. And uh, when he got to Chicago uh, into the, say it was the Hilton there, he got there and he went up to his room and he put, you know, the little key in the thing and it was red light. Key in the thing, red light. Key in the thing, red light. Well, it was late at night. He was frustrated. So he went down to the front desk and said, listen, this key does not work in my room. And the guy said, yeah, sir, uh, you're right. This key wouldn't work in the room because we're at the Hilton. This is the key for the Marriott. <laughs> so he still had his key for the other hotel. See, you, you, you got the wrong key. You're not getting into the kingdom. We're not going to get into the kingdom with the keys of the world. And that's what happens when we allow the world's morals and values and culture to come into the church. God said, you ain't getting in. You don't have the right keys. Where are the keys I gave you? Come on, parents. You guys, you guys will see this soon enough. Where are the keys I gave you? What is this? Where are the keys I gave you? I gave you some keys. I don't know. No. And you got to go find the keys. That's the way God treats us sometimes. Where are the keys I gave you? He gave us the keys to the kingdom. Notice that the word key is plural. And it's given only to the church. He's given you keys because in the previous verse, before he said, I'll give you keys to the kingdom, he mentioned gates, plural. For every gate, listen, watch this. For every gate of hell, there's a corresponding kingdom key. There's a corresponding kingdom key to every problem, every gate, every obstacle that you face in your life. 
No matter how insurmountable, no matter what mountain of debt, no matter how offended you were by the relationship, no matter what, every obstacle, there is a corresponding key that he has given us. I give you a key. I give you keys to the kingdom. You have the keys to the kingdom. You have it. You not only have authority, but you have access to the answers that the world doesn't have. You have access to those answers. And that's it. The next one, the church has authority. We're talking about why church. Why consider church? The church has authority, folks. Matthew 28, 18, you know Jesus spoke to them, said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. All authority. Well, what authority is that? All authority. All of it. We have authority to preach life-giving, life-saving gospel. We have authority to bring heaven to earth. That's what we're supposed to do, is to bring heaven to earth. It's not just about getting people to go to heaven when they die. I told you, this might not look like what you're thinking. Yeah, that's, and that's what we think. We're, we're to preach the gospel so that people can get saved, so when they die, they go to heaven. Guess what? You know, the, the reason the church, we, we are ambassadors in an embassy here now. We are to bring that heavenly culture here now. Understand? Let me say that again so we can get that in our brains. We are to bring the heavenly culture to here. Listen, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What's this part say? Thy kingdom what? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth. Now, as it is in heaven, this is our purpose. I'm so glad, Eldon, we didn't talk about that ahead of time. I'm so glad that you even mentioned that. that God knows what he's doing. Come on. His kingdom to be here now. We have the, the authority to receive revelation and interpret God's word. The world doesn't have that. They don't have it. They could be as smart. They could be, uh, you know, Socrates and Plato. They could be Stephen Hawking. They could be whatever brilliant person. But if they don't have Jesus in their life, if they don't have the Holy Spirit, then they do not have the authority to receive and interpret revelation of God. They can't do it. They don't have the answer. We have the authority to counsel people on God's behalf. We have that answer. That you can't get. And I'm not telling you, know how I am about education. Hey, listen, get education. Get educated. Absolutely. But I'm telling you, you won't learn this. Jesus told Peter that in the scripture we just read. You didn't learn this in school. The Father gave it to you. The Father gave it to you. We have the ability and the answers to be able to counsel people. We have authority over the spiritual world that opposes God. We have authority over all of that. So why consider church? You receive to belong. And because church is a family, not an organization. The church has the keys to the kingdom. The church has authority. And listen, here's the one uh, that I really want to get across to you. And I want to say it in a nice way, you know, so that you can receive it. But I didn't make it up. So I'm not trying to get you to understand my values or just what I believe. But you have to understand that Jesus is the only way. There is no other way. Jesus is the only way. He's it. Acts 4.12 says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name. He wants to be very clear, for there is no other name 
in, in, in the way of, of one of my favorite uh, sportscasters, let me be very, very clear. Let me be very, very clear. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we will be saved. No other name. There is no other name. In, in John 10, verse 7, the Bible says, Most assuredly, I say, that's right, no other name. He knows it. Most assuredly, I say to you, watch what Jesus says here. I am the door. I love this. I am the door of the sheep. All, anybody left out of all? That's all of them. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Go ahead, Jesus. Go ahead. But the, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. That's the promise. The thief doesn't come but to kill, steal, kill, and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it what? More abundantly. There is no other way but Jesus. And I, you know, we, we listen, and as Christians, as the church, we don't say that being mean. We're, actually, that's one of the nicest things we could ever say to you because there is a clear way. You don't have to go into the forest. You don't have to go up to the mountain and try to get enlightenment to find the path. You, you don't have to go on a retreat, although going on a retreat and vacation is very good. But, but, <laughs> But you didn't go to find Jesus. You already had Jesus. You don't have to go somewhere deep into the forest to find the meaning of life. Jesus said, I'm right here. I'm right here. And I'm not going anywhere. I ain't going anywhere, to use my best IU English. I'm right here. Jesus provides a way for us to be a part of God's family. Not a part of an organization or a club or a cult. You become part of the human race when you're born. You become part of God's family when you're born again. Amen. And the only way to be born again is to acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah. He is the only way. He is the only way. So what is God's family? It is the church. It is a family. The, 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 best, the, the, the best thing I can say about the church is that it is a family. It's not an organization. It's a family. And guess what? When you have that DNA, no one can kick you out. They can't kick you out. Only you do that yourself. They can't kick you out. 1 Timothy 3.15, I write to you so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourselves in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. The, the, the New Century Version says, you will know how to live in the family of God. That family is the church of the living God. We are God's family. We are God's family. We are the answer. So I want to, let me just change that up a little bit. I started out by saying we have the answer. We have the answer, which is Jesus. But remember, Jesus is where? Where is he? He's in you. And if he's in you, that means you are the answer. We are the answer. When we walk into the room, there should be love and revelation coming into that room. And it should make people want to rise up to the standard. 
We should, listen, we should be so full of the Spirit and so full of, of, of Jesus that when we walk in some place, we don't have to tell somebody, you're doing it wrong, you're going to hell, you're doing all of these things. When we walk in there, they just, whoa, something's different here. What is it that you have? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you. I know that some people need that fire and brimstone message. I get it. I understand that. But I'm going to tell you something. Love overcomes a multitude of sins. Love with standards, love with correction, but love overcomes a multitude of sins. And so at the end of it, there's no other way. Jesus is the only way. He's the only way. You don't have to search. You don't have to look. When you become part of a church, the people are still imperfect, okay? Uh, and we still make mistakes while we're here on earth. But we have Jesus and we have the answer. And as long as you speak his word with the keys to the kingdom, you can overcome every mountain in your path walking through this life. Man. Because he came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen.